Pastor Chris's podcast. So what's the deal with listening? I'm sitting on the couch the other day and Amy comes in and she says, you weren't even listening, were you? And I thought, that's a weird way to start a conversation. So anyway, I called up my brother Joe the other day, and I was like, well, Amy's mad at me again. He was like, what for? I said, I don't know. She said something about me not listening. I I really wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Anyway, um, I've been married for almost 30 years, and uh, what I have learned about women in that 30 years, I mean, you could fill up maybe half of the back of a matchbook. But uh, I have learned one thing, and uh, that is this. When a woman says, what? It's not because she didn't hear you. She's giving you a chance to change what you said. So uh, a few Sundays ago, uh, Andy said during our prayer request time that uh, he wanted us to pray for the country, as someone else mentioned today. And... uh, That led me to also ask that God help us to really listen to each other, which led me to look at what the scriptures say about listening, and that led to today's message. So we're going to get the lead out and start by looking at uh, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19, which states, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen. When I walk my dog around the neighborhood, she loves to chase squirrels and rabbits. And on a side note, she's going to be glad that this sermon's been delivered today because when I go around the house practicing this sermon, she hears these two words. And she has taught me to point out and say squirrel and rabbit. I've learned from watching her that I don't even have to say the whole word, but just the beginning sound like squa for squirrel or ra for rabbit, and she is on full alert. Her ears perk up. She scans the area. She even bounces up and down on her front legs like one of those fancy lowriders trying to locate a rabbit or a squirrel. She is quick to listen, eager to listen expecting to have to listen and ready to act on what she hears. What about us? Are we quick to listen? I imagine a lot of it has to do with the conversation and the people with whom we are conversing. For example, if everyone in the group is like-minded about a topic and just jibber-jawing to pass the time or make a joke, I'd say no one is really actively listening. But when we're in a conversation with people that are of a differing opinion than us, that's when we have to ask, are we quick to listen? Or do we just patiently wait to pounce when an opportunity arrives in the conversation? Proverbs 18 verse 2 says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion." The scripture says that we are first to be quick to listen, but what does real listening look like? And how do we know we truly listened? 
I mean, we all want to get to that slow to speak part, but not before we listen. So why should we listen? First, because the scripture said so. But why would that be something that they're asking us to do? Why would that be something the scripture tells us to do? We're supposed to go into the world and speak the good news and tell the story of hope and love and the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why should we listen to anyone else when we're the ones with the message that needs to be heard? Well, I think it comes down to human nature. You see, we don't really listen to someone we don't respect. And we seldom respect anyone who doesn't listen to us. So why would someone respect you or me enough to listen to us if we don't listen to them first? Now, what is listening? Well, the bare bones dictionary definition says that it is to give attention with the ear, to attend closely for the purpose of hearing. What jumped out at me right away is right off the bat, we're giving something to the other person. We're giving them our attention. We give them the time to say what they wish to say uninterrupted, and we attend closely. Attend means to be present. So we are present physically, mentally, spiritually, and we attend closely for the purpose of hearing. We are there in that moment to hear, not be thinking of our response, not drift off because we think we already know where the conversation is going, not roll our eyes or tap our toes and no SMHing. And for those not quite up to date on the latest texting lingo, that stands for shaking my head. None of that stuff. Is it easy? Nope. Should we do it anyway? Yep. But not because I say it, because I find listening very difficult. But it's because what followers of Christ strive to do. So how do we listen? I think most of us would say we should use our ears to listen, and I can't argue with that. You need your ears to get the words into your brain so you can understand what's being said. But that's just the beginning of listening. Not only should we listen with our ears, but truly listening requires that we listen with our eyes, at least when we can see the other person talking. Have you ever been waiting at a traffic light and found your attention drawn to another vehicle because of the animated conversation that's occurring? Now, I've never been able to hear the conversation in the other vehicle, but most of the time I can tell something about the conversation without hearing one word. Anger, happiness, sadness, they seem to cut through sound barriers pretty easily. True listeners absolutely hear and process words for meaning and context, but they also look beyond the words. They search for meaning in the speaker's tone and body language. Think about how many times you would have misinterpreted a text message if we didn't have emojis 
to help us express the context and emotion behind the words. I have to admit, this is something I struggle with. I'm a big word person. Um, Much to the chagrin of my family, I'm often quick to point out what I perceive to be a fallacy in their choice of words. Because I believe words matter, and they do, but maybe not as much as we give them credit for, or maybe we give them too much credit. Because if someone has a misstep with syntax or vocabulary or grammar, and we understand the gist of what they're trying to say, even if we don't agree with it, okay, I'm not saying you have to agree with it, it still doesn't help the conversation along to be harping on those small little errors. 2 Timothy 2, verse 14 states, and I thank my son-in-law Noah for this when he sent it to me when uh, Tiffany told him I was going to be speaking about listening. It states, remind them of these things, charging them before God not to fight about words. This is in no way profitable and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Imagine if you were required to limit the number of words you could choose to advance your argument. Would you really choose to waste any of them on something as petty as grammar or vocabulary? Especially if you already understood what the other person was saying. Listening with our eyes also allows us to pick up on the emotions driving a person's discussion. And as Christians, we're supposed to do a lot more than just keep up our end of the discussion. We're also supposed to be nurturing to the person with whom we may vehemently disagree. If we see anger building, and in today's society, heated discussions can erupt and escalate very quickly. Maybe what we need to do is diffuse the discussion. I found an article by Linda Larson on the website, Speaking of Women's Health, and no judgment about why I was on Speaking of Women's Health. Okay, Google took me there. I can't help it. And here are some of the things that she suggests we might try. Amazingly enough, the first thing she says is listen. And uh, even though you're not necessarily giving credibility to their argument, you should assume they have a legitimate reason for their feelings. I'm not saying you have to agree with what they're saying, but something is legitimately causing them to be angry. Listen, see if you can figure out what that is. And while you're listening for that, maintain a neutral face. I got a coffee mug at the house that says, my face is not responsible for what it does when you talk. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to do. No SMHing, no shaking your head, no rolling your eyes. Maintain a neutral face when you feel the conversation escalating. Make empathetic statements. Say things like, let me make sure I understand you. You're saying... And then repeat what you heard them say. A person will stop to listen if they know what you're about to say is what they just said. Try to eliminate aggressive statements like, if you would just let me talk, if I could just say this, if I could just point this out, 
that can just make it a little more edgy. At the height of their anger, there's no way we can talk them out of their feelings. Instead, say things like, I understand your feelings. I'm not saying you understand their point. I'm not saying you agree with them. I'm not saying you concede the argument. Just acknowledge, I understand your feelings. I'm sure if I was in your place, I might feel the same way. Just recognize that at that point, the conversation is no longer about the topic at hand. But rather, our role may need to change to that of a nurturer as we try to tend the pain the person is experiencing. If someone has reached a point of anger in the discussion, they're really not going to truly listen to you. And you're not going to really be listening to them about the argument or discussion. So bringing the conversation down to a point where you can change the subject or move on to another task may be about as good as it's going to get. But here's the deal. If you end the conversation calmly and respectfully, the person will be more likely to engage in the topic later. Perhaps it will be during that time that the conversation will result in two people better understanding each other. The problem perhaps even coming up with a solution or solutions. As Christians, we should strive to be that voice of calm assurance, ever mindful of the responsibility we have to be Christ-like in our encounters. Passion is still possible. Jesus did a number on the money changers. I don't want you to think I'm saying we just roll over on our beliefs and forfeit our opinions. That's not it at all. But there's an effective way to engage, a Christian way to engage, and there's an ineffective way to engage, a worldly way to engage. Listening with our eyes can also reveal when a person is hurting, saddened, confused, or afraid. And glimpsing these underlying conditions, excuse me, emotions, can give us a window into the perspective of the other person. We can adjust our tone to address the hurt, maybe provide some healing. Maybe we can provide some levity to alleviate some sadness, possibly simplify our point of view to clear up some confusion or reassure them that they're not alone to help them be less afraid. But we cannot do any of that if we're not truly listening, if we're not in tune with the moment, if we have not emptied ourselves of our pride and filled ourselves with the love of Christ, we have very little, if any, hope of truly listening to others, especially if their opinion is totally different than ours. So another way we listen, we got ears, we got eyes, is with our feet. <laughs> I never thought I would hear or say those words in a sentence. Listen with your feet. And I certainly never thought that there would actually already be a drawing out there in Google land that had a person with feet for ears. But sure enough, there was something already there. This uh, figurative phrase found me as I was listening to the song, Walk a Mile in My Shoes. And the lyrics are, 
if you could be me and I could be you for just one hour, if we could find a way to get inside each other's mind, if you could see you through my eyes instead of your ego, I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. A little side note, in Matthew 7, verse 5, it says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Continuing on, it says, and yet we spend the day throwing stones at one another because I don't think or wear my hair the same way you do. Well, I may be common people, but I'm your brother. And when you strike out and try to hurt me, it's hurting you. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, walk a mile in my shoes. Listening with our feet is simply being empathetic, being willing to understand that we don't come to the same table from the same places. Our journeys and our experiences have been different, and we are a reflection of what we've been through. That's one of the reasons Jesus came to us in the form of a man. If we look in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and 15, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus chose to sympathize and empathize with us and for us. And we are to be as much like Christ as possible. Therefore, it stands to reason that we should attempt to sympathize and empathize before we criticize. That's listening with your feet. That's walking a mile in another person's shoes. Lastly, I know you're getting tired of listening. Why is listening so hard? Well, I found an online book called Stand Up, Speak Out, The Practice of Ethics in Public Speaking, and they had some interesting ideas about why listening was so hard. The first one's not so interesting. It's pretty simple, and that is it could just be noisy. I mean, noisy places make hearing and listening difficult, and the fix for that is simple. Go somewhere quiet. If you know the conversation is going to be involved, make plans to start out somewhere quiet. But if you find yourself in the middle of it and it's noisy, say, hey, can we take this somewhere else and talk quietly? I'm interested, I'm interested in what you have to say, and I'd like to really be able to listen to you. Get rid of all that extraneous distraction. Semantic noise is another impediment that occurs when the listener experiences confusion over the meaning of the other person's word choice. So basically, while you're attempting to understand a particular word or phrase, the other person keeps on speaking. And while you're struggling to figure out what that word was, you're distracted from listening to the rest of the message. Now, the fix here is also simple, but it's much harder to do. And that is you have to let the other person know you're unfamiliar with the word in question. 
ask them to restate it or define the word. This is hard because we have to admit we don't know something. And that can be embarrassing. And that goes back to emptying yourself of your pride. But remember, this is going to help you truly listen. And believe it or not, it's going to affirm to the other person that you're really trying to hear what they're saying and understand what they're saying. And that's going to give you more credibility when you speak because they're going to understand and be aware that you have a desire to truly understand that to which you listen and speak. You've already demonstrated it right there in the conversation. This last one might strike a nerve. It did with me because I do this a lot. I, it's called biased listening. Biased listening is characterized by jumping to conclusions. The biased listener believes, I don't need to listen because I already know what I think. And or, I already know what the other person's going to say. So why bother listening? Well, maybe you do. Maybe you're absolutely right. Maybe you know word for word exactly what's going to come out of that person's mouth. But think back to conversations you've had with other people. And you knew as you were speaking, the other person was not listening to you. For whatever reason, they had tuned you out. How'd that make you feel? Did you feel valued? Did you feel respected? Even if you think you know what is about to be said, listening anyway, is a sign of respect. It keeps the engagement active and it strengthens the relationship. God already knows what we're going to ask before we ask him, but he listens anyway. Undivided attention from the creator of the universe. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listening can be maddening. When someone says something that flies in the face of what we perceive to be an undeniable truth, or may even be an undeniable truth. We can be stunned at the revelation that there could be such differing opinions about something that seems to be cut and dry. It can make us angry, confused, and if we're not careful, I have to be careful about this one, amused. To hear someone say something contrary to that which we've already determined to be factual. In my mind, right now, I have questions that I believe have only one answer. And if you were to discuss one of those topics with me and your opinion was different than mine, I have some options. I can choose not to listen to you and lose your respect. I can listen 
and then match your indignation with my arrogance until we're both furious and neither one of us wants to talk to the other one again. I can dominate the conversation and berate you until you decide speaking to me is pointless. Or I can listen to you. I can ask sincere questions about how you arrived at your opinion. I can maintain a calm disposition. I can restrain myself from getting irate. I can ask you if I can tell you how I came to my conclusions. And I can learn to enjoy the brand new experience of listening because not every conversation is about winning the truth trophy. Have you really won if you proved you were right about a political stance or religious stance or medical stance only to have permanently damaged a relationship? Philippians 2, 3, and 4, and I really am almost done. I know you're thinking that's not true, but it's true. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Is it easy? No. If someone told you following Christ's example would be easy, they were misinformed, and you've been misinformed too. I do believe our world is becoming increasingly polarized. And if we think we're going to change someone's mind with our own words and power or our own cleverness and quick-witted banter, I also think we're kidding ourselves. I believe a big part of the answer is listening. The Christian message is the most important message in the world. And people are more receptive to hear a message if they feel they are valued and respected. And one of the ways to do that is to listen to them the way Christ listened and still listens to us.